He falsified his research so that our DU-90 could be approved and Devlin McGregor could give you Provasic. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. The PGA Championship is here and the cut line is going to break it down. This week, the cut line breaks down the second major of the year as the PGA Championship and Beth Page Black look to give golfers quite a challenge in order for a golfer to put up their first or multiple majors on their resume. This week also leaves us with the retro DFS feeling as Tiger Woods leads all players in having the highest salary. Our key stats and plays are going to give you a leg up on this week's competition, but before that, hello Canada, hello USA. And hello, UK. And the cut line can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So if you want to continue putting together strong lineups, make sure you subscribe. I'm Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, and I'm a man who's grateful for the fact that I've done quite well in MLB DFS in recent weeks and now have acquired $1 million. That's right, 15 milli tickets through satellites and qualifiers so to say that i'm heavily invested in this week's tournament would be a gross understatement i am pumped for this tournament i'm anxious to dive into this slate ecstatic when you consider that i've only paid just a hair under 75 dollars for 300 dollars in milli maker entry fees so thank you mlb dfs and everyone who entered those qualifiers and has lost to me in recent weeks now on the other side of the mic is my man Mulligan Manafort, Zero Iron Zach, and the man, well, who, well this should suffice. <laughs> Martin Pillar, he is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. <laughs> Alright, that's not even fair. He, Martin Pillar, it is not his fault. He shot 68 on Friday. Dude, he's a monster. A 68. That's top 20 in the second monster. round. Monster. Monster. Oh, my God. If it wasn't for a few unlucky breaks on Thursday, the dude makes the cut easy, and I, he, he would have crushed it. He would have crushed top 20. I guarantee. I would have guaranteed it. I did guarantee it. You did guarantee it. It was a promise he missed, made to our listeners. He missed by one. One. Do you, do you realize there is a good chance Canada will not listen this week, thanks to your dumbass call? Martin Pillar is... He would have. He should have made it. He almost made it with the cut as it is. It was a sweat to the last minute. Hey, 
He didn't make the cut. What you guaranteed this call? He shot a sixty-eight. It didn't happen. He shot a sixty-eight Friday. He was gonna make it. I told you last week it was a garbage call. He barely missed the cut. That's not garbage. It's a garbage call. Oh missed the cut god. is a garbage call. Oh my god. That's all right. Wait till he comes around next time. All right. Well, my man Zach Manafort can be found on Twitter at EaglesFan83. And you can find the cut line on Twitter at T Cutline, where Zach and I break down the PGA like no other podcast out there. Now, the cut line is here to bring you in depth DraftKings analysis of the PGA Championship at Beth Page Black Golf Course. And we're going to do the best we can. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. We'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lined up in the green, but so is your bankroll. Six of six through low-owned plays and better lineups is the end game here at the cut line. And ultimately, we want to make sure that your Sunday is a fun day. So, and as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy Nationals having draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analysis. Trying to figure out why you're struggling week in and week out? Well, more than likely, it's because you're not considering Fantasy National. You're ending up at the wrong end of the flag stick, so I ask you, how are your lineups doing? PGA Championship is right in front of us, Zach, but we can't move on without taking a look at the Byron and how we did last week. How did it treat you? Uh, the Byron wasn't too great to me. I got on a plane real early Thursday morning. I missed the Leishman withdraw news. Uh, I was about 20% owned in all my lineups, so that kind of hurt. Despite the Martin Pillar fiasco, I still did manage to cut cash a couple of my single entries that I had in a couple of different contests, basically recouping almost all of my entry fees. So could have been worse, could have been better uh, had I caught the Leishman withdraw uh, early. I don't even know if everyone caught it or not or if you're allowed to change your lineups. I, I missed most of Thursday. Um, so, you know, break, coming close to breaking even is fine with me. And just tread water until you hit that big GPP hit, and that's what you try for, unless you're stacking milli tickets like yourself. Uh, how'd you do last week? You know, it was looking really, really good, and then everyone MDF'd. I had eight or nine lineups with six to six through, and just MDF after MDF just ruined my whole weekend. You know, I ended up only losing $35, which wasn't that bad, considering just the way the slate broke. But... You know, needless to say, it was probably my worst week of PGA so far this year, surprisingly. Mm. So, um, and it was just a strange week with how I lost. I, I've never lost like that before. Not to say I've never had an MDF, but frustratingly, needless to say, but, you know, it, it's time to move on. It's all in the past. We are at the PGA Championship, the second championship. I'm sorry, the second major championship. I'm excited. Millie tickets galore. You know, being a major tournament, this DraftKings field is loaded. Now, there are very few, if any, stats that are consistent in revealing this week's winner save for making a ton of birdies and at least getting a double-digit score below par. Now, this stat might be compromised when you consider that Beth Page Black often ranks as the toughest on tour. And the last time the PGA played here in 2016, Patrick Reed won at the Barclays with the total score of 9-under. Now, the goal here is to hit it long, hit it straight, and get on the green in regulation. From there, putt like you can't miss. Simple to say, but often the PGA Championship just doesn't work that way. 
Now, this field is loaded with past winners, which include Tiger, Phil, Jason Day, Brooks Kepka, Jimmy Walker, Rory McIlroy. In addition, only a few players have multiple top tens at Beth Page Black, and these players include Sergio Garcia, Tiger Woods, Phil, and Ryan Moore. It's a very unique tournament. It's going to be great to see how it all unfolds, but Beth Page Black has plenty of surprises up her sleeve and challenges that are going to test even the best golfers. Zach. What are golfers looking at this week? Oh, Beth Page Black looks like it's going to be a fun one this week. Set up for a par 70. It checks in at over 7,400 yards, which is a monster layout for a par 70 course. And that's with six of the par 12, six of the 12 par fours listed at over 460 yards. So driving distance is going to be key here. Uh, look, for looking at the course history, as you mentioned, this course was played in 2002, 2009, and 2012 and 2016. Their winning scores at the first two in the U.S. Opens were just my, uh, three under and four under par. And the winning scores at the Barclays in 12 and 16 were 10 and 9 under. But that was with the seventh hole being converted from the long par 4 that it is now played as a, as a short par 5. It provided huge scoring opportunities. So if you really adjust those scores down a bit and change it to a par 4 and take away some of those birdies and eagles that were hit there, you're looking at maybe a top score in 5 under or 4 under. So I don't think we'll see anything, anything crazy. It's not going to be a birdie fest like last week. Uh, you'll probably see a, a winner in the single digits with most of the top five scoring somewhere uh, around the three, four under, and you're looking at the cut being about three or four over par. So be prepared for a lot of big numbers on the scorecards this week uh, from all your golfers. It's interesting though. I, I think I can't remember the time, the last time I think all the uh, top five, top 25 golf golfers are actually in the field. So it's going to be star studded. It's going to be a, a lot. It's Really, anyone's game. Uh, looking at the stats, you know, you can go one way or another. Uh, it's really splitting hairs on some of these guys, especially at the top. Um, there's a couple ways you can look at it. Uh, and another angle is, you know, how's the course going to play? Everyone's talking about driving distance, driving accuracy. Uh, it poured down today on Monday at the course, so we can expect it to probably play pretty soft on at least on Thursday, uh, maybe a little bit on Friday if it gets any more rain, uh, which can give longer guys with less accuracy a slight advantage. It's also supposed to be pretty cold uh, as we approach uh, Thursday and Friday. We're looking at maybe high 40s, low 50s. Uh, so if you want to look at some Euro guys who are, are typically used to playing in cold, soggy conditions, if you're looking at a splitting hair of going one guy or another, uh, another angle you could possibly look at. Uh, for me, uh, looking at stats this week, I'm looking at guys who are long off the tee and accurate to avoid some of those trouble spots because there's a ton of deep bunkers and the, the green side rough is pretty thick. Uh, that being said, I'm looking at strokes gain approach. And I'm also looking at uh, a proximity and mainly in the ranges of 150 to 175 and 175 to 200 for some of those long par fours. Uh, so for me, that's what I'm looking at this week. Uh, I've got a couple others, uh, mainly uh, good drives, scrambling, uh, and uh, strokes gained tee to green. Because you think you're going to have to have the complete game here uh, if you're going to put even like a, a par round together. Uh, what about you? What are you looking at this week for old Beth Page? You know, we, we're, we're, we're kind of in agreement for once. Strokes gained tee to green is a key stat like that all-around game is going to win the pga championship looking at the course preview i i i know that this course has hosted some u.s opens but those courses are set up so differently than the pga championship that i think we will have a little bit more scoring than usual and it won't be as so nail-biting and difficult it won't be clown golf as DeShambo said last year i hope not at the us but um you know i i'm excited to watch other stats i'm looking at is a course off the tee the driving accuracy, I'm going to wait a little more than driving distance. All these guys in the field can bomb the ball for the most part. 
if they can't i'm probably not interested in them but i am really really interested in accuracy because they're gonna have to place that ball in the fairway avoid fairway bunkers avoid it's it's gonna be a mess out there it's gonna be challenging so of course you're gonna look at approach from 175 to 200 scrambling everyone's gonna be in the rough at some point uh miss the green here or there one of the key stats though that i think is very very important are greens and regulation you know that bogey avoidance ability to just par out those are stats that you really need to look for who's playing well recently in terms of those categories that's what i'm looking at and you know i broke down and, and got some interesting plays from my models that i utilize and i'm excited to break it down so you know that'll lead us to our birdie or better segment would Zach and I break down each tier of pricing in order to select our favorite plays in each price range? So in addition, we'll provide at least one player that we intend on fading or that we think might miss the cut or not worth the salary, whatever the case may be. So we're going to start at the 10K range, and i got to go first. Tiger Woods at 11300 Now in the last 50 years, only three players have won the first two majors of the year, yet Woods did it in 2002. He's one of the three players where he won the Masters and then he won the U.S. Open. Now, it's important to note that the statistics are chalked against Tiger in acquiring his 16th major victory, just considering the fact that over the 50-year span, only three golfers have won the first two majors. I, I think that's, that's key, but here's the caveat. The last time that Tiger did this, he won at the Masters at Augusta, and then he won the U.S. Open here at Bethpage Black. Some might consider that a perfect storm. I don't know. It's appealing to me. But in the last 50, uh, 50 rounds, Tiger ranks 7th in strokes gained tee to green, ninth in the field in DraftKings scoring. You know, one of my favorite stats is that he's 5th in approach. Tiger's in play. He's super pricey. And I think because of that cost, you're getting him at such low ownership. Tiger, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right on the low ownership part. I'm going to have none of him because I'm mainly on DJ Bloom, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but for me, I just... Man, Tiger repeating a major win. I just if he does, FanDuel is going to go broke. So I think they know something that we don't, or that we, I know he ain't. He's not winning. And I think at eleven three, he's got to win in order to really hit your GPP. I mean, if he finishes outside the top ten, you're paying a lot and not leaving yourself a lot of room to get any any guys of quality caliber. Uh, so for me, I don't know. I I just can't see it. I think the leverage play there, though, is so key. I mean, everyone said this about the Masters. Yeah, you're right. And I was totally off him on the Masters. I'm off him here for the same reasons, but I don't know. I think this sets up a little bit differently. I mean, he had some good saves on the Masters where I think if you find himself in the rough here, you're not going to be so 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 lucky. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, he's going to have to have that uh, off-the-tee game, and he struggles with that at times. So, you know, he did say, though, after Augusta, you know, his drivers never felt as good as it does now. I'll be curious to see if it stays that way. He's been in New York for God knows how long, just sitting on his yacht. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure he's played Beth Page a few times already. Yeah, he was just out there on he was out there this morning doing the practice round. So he's definitely getting some time in. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Dustin Johnson at 11,100. What do you think of DJ? For me, he's far and away the favorite here, both in my model and I think that the betting lines would agree. I mean, you look at the top four players this week, for me, he ranks out number one in my stat model. Uh, he also is a great putter on POA. Uh, it's one of his favorite putting surfaces. He grades out eighth overall in POA putting over the last 100 rounds played on POA surfaces. So 
uh, when I look at his custom model, he only ranks outside the, ten, outside the top 10 in one stat that I'm looking at, and that's good drives where he comes in 12th, which is still phenomenal in the field. Uh, when you can make a case for pretty much any of the top four here, uh, I'm going to go with DJ and pretty much all of my stars in Scrubs build. Uh, he's no he's no stranger to Beth Page. He played here in 2016 and got 18th, and he played in 2012 and got third. So he knows some of the shots. A lot of them are blind shots. you got to know the course, be able to set up well. Uh, he's shown success here doing that in the past. So uh, I think he's he's far and away my favorite for this week. DJ is a great play. He's just going to be really chalky. But, Absolutely. I mean, so far this season, seven top tens and a win at the WGC Mexico. Um, on difficult courses, po- uh, Poa Greens, he ranks first in my model. And he's just a course horse for Beth Page. He's eighth in tee to green, seventh in ball striking, sixth in driving distance. I love DJ here. It's going to be a hard fade if someone does decide to do so. I don't recommend fading Dustin Johnson. You need pieces of him somewhere, somehow. You don't want to be off that ship. But I, I am concerned about ownership. Where are you going to leverage ownership if you're getting DJ upwards to 20 to 24%? If people are going DJ, then that also is indicative of the fact that Rory, Brooks, and Tiger are going to be lower owned, possibly, than projected. Uh, yeah, that's fine. And I think, for me, the leverage play would be Rory here. I think if you're going to go off anybody, that that's that's my second option of the top four players. Yeah, Rory McIlroy at 10-9 is interesting. You know, I'm just curious at what his ownership is going to end up becoming. You know, and it, his recent play is really going to drive it down. I, I think people have been let down at least in DFS standards, by how, how he's performed. Now, he's made nine straight cuts, and he quietly finished at eighth at the Wells Fargo, but he was the top salary guy on the roster. Yeah. But in the last five rounds, he's, he's gained over 10 strokes tee to green. In my custom model in Fantasy National, he ranks fifth overall. But more importantly, he ranks fifth in green regulation percentage. And to me, that's a huge stat this week. I like Rory. The problem is Rory hasn't really been Rory at these huge tournaments. Uh, like... Even at the Masters, it was kind of a joke. He was there, and he made the cut and everything of that nature, but I didn't even see him on television. I was following him on the app. So I think if you are going to leverage from Dustin Johnson, you're right. Rory is a play, and I would love it if that ownership keeps going down and down and down. What, what do you like about Rory? Yeah, for me, I mean, Rory's another guy who, who's done well here in the past. I mean, he's played here three times. Uh, he's got a 31st, a 24th, and a 10th back in 2009. Uh, for me, just looking at his POA play, uh, over the last 24 rounds he's played on POA, he ranks first in strokes gained to green. So he's got the complete game here. He's eighth in GIRS gain for me and tenth in approach. If it ends up being a cold, soft, rainy surface on, on Thursday, he could easily put himself in front of the field and be able to really uh, build on his build on his lead on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And for me, he's it's splitting here is really I have to watch ownership. I mean, if it if it's up in the 15-20% yak, I would just go DJ here. But if you're going to get him anywhere between 10 and 15%, uh, I'd rather, I almost would rather play Rory than DJ just based off that leverage play. If we can get him that, absolute, that's a pivot right there. Because I think they're too, I mean, the guys are so highly I think priced. All, you, but can I you think even squeeze three. in two? Can you squeeze in two, got two, top, two top four guys and make a decent lineup? No. But we can talk about that when we get down to the 6K range. But... Needless to say, why pay up for that chalk at 20-some percent when you can get Tiger or Rory or Brooks at sub-15%? I think Tiger's going to be single-digit percentage owned. I think that's insane. That's that. I mean, 
yeah, that's interesting. And it's definitely gonna be something to look at. For me, I don't really have interest in Tiger, but if you're gonna get him in single digits, I can see the appeal. Uh, well, rounding out our 10K range is Brooks Kepka. And we talked about him being the major slayer, and that moniker is just going to travel with him to this tournament because you know it's the slate. It's it's going to see increased ownership in Kepka, in my opinion. I'm not sure though; he could be less than 15 percent, but it still doesn't necessarily mean you should avoid rostering. I think he lies in that DJ realm, uh, you know, as well. The thing that's going to be hard to kind of Avoid him is because of that price at 10-4. He's the cheapest of the 10K guys. It gives you some salary relief. My issue with Kepka, he struggles on those long par threes. Yep. You know, if you start getting bogeys or double bogeys on par threes, you're not going to finish in the top 30 in this tournament. You might even miss the cut. This is a major championship. What do you think about Kepka? Uh, Kepka is my fade this week, and, and it's mainly based off of when I look at how he performs on Poa and for me, the model just says, do not play Brooks on Poa. He ranks out 128th overall in my model, uh, and that's due to his... And I, I got to dig in to see where if this is like a one event that's skewing a lot of this, but he hits 98th in GIR's gain, 120, 102nd in scrambling, and 105th on strokes gained approach when you just look at his Poa play over the last 24. Now, there's no doubt that Brooks is an elite player, and he can easily outperform at all of those stats, but for me, 10-4... I don't really have any interest. I'd rather just pay 500 more for Rory or drop down a little bit more into the 9K range. The thing is, though, it's Brooks Kepka, man. I mean, he in difficult, you know, average strokes game by diff, round difficulty, he's almost at one and a half strokes. To me, that's kind of almost like an unprecedented number of how well he plays in difficult courses. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I said the same thing for the Masters. I think I was on the same, the same level of thinking where I... I, I was fading him there too, and then he turned around and, sh and turned it into second place. So, I mean, he definitely has the ability to do it. And he was coming off a 56th of players and a missed cut at the Arnold Palmer. So, I mean, he wasn't really in great form coming into the Masters. And when he gets it all together, he's easily one of the top three players in the world. I don't know, sure it's as much is it? It's as much as him getting it together. It's as much as him just saying, "Hey, I'm Brooks Kepka. I'm one of the best golfers in the world. I'm here to kick ass." So. <laughs> Uh, my fade's kind of a cop out, and that's Justin Thomas at ten one because no well, he's injured and he's not playing. He withdrew today. So, in case you didn't know, I had to throw it in there. Thomas is not in the field. If you didn't know that, now you do. Don't roster him. It's a waste of time, waste of space. So, let's go on to that nine k range. Why don't you kick it off for kick it off for us? Uh, for me, I'm stuck. I'm starting off with Tommy Fleetwood, and I think. I may have to relook this because I've listened to a few podcasts since writing all these, and, and he seems to be a name that keeps popping up for a lot of players. Uh, but he's playing some solid golf. I mean, he's not really been that impressive. He's a 25th at the RBC, 36th at the Masters. Uh, he did finish 5th at the Players and 3rd at the API, uh, and most notably in 8th last week at the British Masters. So, I mean, his game's been up and down. He's been really good. He's been average, and he's been really good. Uh, so all those events, he's been gaining strokes in almost every category except putting uh, at the API where he lost lost strokes uh, his strokes gained off the tee the last three events have been 3.5 strokes 7.3 and 4.9 which play extremely well here if he's going to uh, drive the ball accurately and far his iron play has been above tour average from every distance from 100 to 200 yards which would be extremely important on all the long par fours and if tommy stays hot he easily finds himself in a position to top five and have a shot at winning this event uh, for me fleetwood was one of my top plays this week uh, but I, I think i'm gonna have to watch ownership a little bit and I may have to drop down to another guy in the 9K range that I'm looking at later. 
What do you think of Tommy this week? I like I like Tommy Fleetwood. My issue with him is the same thing that we always discuss. He, is he going to win? Yeah. Is is his first PJ win going to be a major championship? Not that that's never happened in the history of golf, but how often does it really occur? And and Fleetwood's been in a position to win major titles before. Finished in second, I think, last year at, at the U.S. Open. But this is this is a different course, different time. There are so many players in this price range. I don't necessarily know if I have to go to Fleetwood, and that 9200 is appealing. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's going to save salary, especially getting a caliber golfer like Fleetwood. But how much are we relying on kind of last year's mojo? I feel the same way about Tony Finau. Yeah. Like, he, he was last year's darling. Everyone wanted to roster him every tournament, and he did not disappoint. It's a different narrative this year. It completely is. Fleetwood is, is, is a great player, but I don't know. It, it seems a little bit different. It's a different narrative. I'm going to go a little bit different direction. I will have some Fleetwood. I'm not saying I'm fading him, but he's just not my favorite play in this range. Who so, do you, who, Who's your favorite 9K guy? My favorite 9K guy is Justin Rose, man. Uh, yeah. 9,900. He mean, looks great in every stat model and analysis. I mean, every stat model and analysis. Justin Rose looks spectacular. We're looking at a golfer as a solid tee to green game. He won't make cuts due to a hiccup here or there, and that already kind of happened this year. So we're good to go. And all appears that PGA Tours, you know, he's just he's an elite PGA Tour player. And my custom fantasy national modeling ranks number one. Overall ranks top 10 and off the tee, tee to green, approach, and, uh, approach the green, and greens in regulation percentage. And yes, these are all generic stats. I know that. But he's got a solid overall game. And we both have already said that that's what we're looking for. That's who we expect to win this type of tournament. Now, when you look at Rose, he's typically averaging you know more strikes go- gained in all statistical categories. But his recent form isn't incredibly sharp. I think that's going to cause some... Uh, a lack of ownership per se, but regardless, he's still someone I want to to roster this week. No, I think Rose is a solid play. I think you'll be surprised, and I think we'll see him being one of the higher owned guys, Not, just below 10k. It'll draw a lot of people in. Just click Rose. Uh, they know he's Olympic gold medal winner. They you know he's a major winner. Uh, third at the Wells Fargo, so he's not doing that bad. Sure, he missed the cut at the Masters, which I hope maybe will drive down ownership a little bit, but. Uh, overall, I think I think you'll be shocked to see that Rose, especially with the Justin Thomas withdrawal. I think you'll see Rose ownership spike quite a bit. See, if we see that DJ ownership being high, I don't know how anyone in this range, this nine K range, maybe Ricky Fowler, just because of the name, yeah, gets above fifteen percent ownership. It's just a, yeah, it depends. Yeah, because you got to figure twenty percent probably for DJ Rory and Brooks roughly. So that leaves yeah. you with, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably around like 10 to 15 for Rose. I still think that's pretty high. It, I mean, it's high, but it's not 20. And at Justin Rose, if I'm getting Justin Rose at 15%, I'll, I'll, I'll differentiate elsewhere. That's, yeah, and that's fine. And, and I'll save money with the 9-9. Now, mentioning Ricky Fowler at 9-3, I think he's a must-play. He's been playing great golf recently, 17th at the Bolero, 9th at the Masters, 4th at the Wells Fargo. We were talking about last year with Fleetwood and Finau. This is what I think we're seeing right now with Ricky Fowler, that type of game. And he could be raising his first major championship this year. He does have a major pedigree. You know, he finished in the top five in all four major tournaments. But the one stat that I'm drawn to for Fowler is his ability to approach the green 
extremely well from the distance of 175 to 200. He's had great success at this course. I don't see a reason for it to stop here. I'm going to be overweight on Ricky Fowler. You like Ricky? I love Ricky this week. I mean, over his last, really, his last 20 tournaments, he's gained strokes in every single category possible. I mean, he's playing some of the best golf of his life, except he just can't close and win a tournament. Uh, he won the waste management back in January, but, you know, he's got a plethora of runner-ups at all the major events. And we go back to, is this a Fleetwood kind of event where can he win it? He needs to close one of these. And if he can, I think this is an opportunity for him right here this week. Uh, he does grade out well in pretty much every category, as you mentioned, and his price is interestingly lower than I would expect. So, yeah, he, I don't see how you get away from Fowler, especially if you're having him in nine carry. But going back to that, that Fowler-Fleetwood comparison, I don't think Tommy can win. I think Ricky Fowler can win this tournament. That's my big difference between the two of them. Yeah, it's and cl- until, it's, until Fleetwood does it on tour, I don't think he's able to. Yeah, it's, it's close for me. I mean, I've got him ranked pretty similar uh, in almost every, every category. My issue with Ricky is his putting. His three-putt avoid is really high. Um, but with the smaller greens, he may be able to offset that, and this might play to his strength. So hopefully he can close this out, um, but we'll see. Yeah. Who else you got? Uh, another, you know, I really don't like the 9K range overall, but, you know, I got a couple guys outside of Fleetwood. I'm looking at Xander Schauffele. 9,100, another interesting player coming off a 63rd at the RBC, which isn't that great, but he did come in second at the Masters. So if you throw out the RBC... Sanders been playing extremely solid golf, gaining an average of 3.3 strokes tee to green over the last 10 events. Uh, he's only ranked 33rd in my overall my model, which isn't great for a guy who's 9,100, uh, but he is 23rd in strokes gained approach and is a decent putter on POA, which is above average on tour. Uh, he's managed to work the greens pretty much in all events he's played on POA and puts him sixth in three putt avoid over his last 24 rounds, which is going to be huge here because uh, you're going to need to make par to even make the cut. Um, so Xander's got a good shot here to take this down if he can put a solid four rounds together uh, and at 9100 I think he gives you a lot of extra salary to go and especially in balanced lineups so I think uh, on the balanced lineups I put together on DraftKings it's, it's going to be heavily weighted towards Xander and that may be what un- unravels me this week but I think Xander's in a great spot I like Xander too I, I agree he ranks pretty highly in my fantasy national model you also got to remember second at the Masters that's appealing 14th at the WGC Mexico. He did miss the cut at the players, but I, it, that's a unique tournament. I don't really weight that too heavily in my models, um, the, the players specifically, not missing the cut. But he did finish 63rd at the RBC Heritage. Does that concern you at all? I mean, he almost five strokes putting. You know, he, he struggled in the approach, struggled off the tee. Are you just calling that a hiccup? I'm, I, when I looked at it, I was calling it a hiccup, and I'm hoping that others look at it as a downward trend and lowers his ownership quite a bit. And I think... In this 9K range, you're going to see guys that are in the single digits, and I think that's where you can make or break uh, a lot of these GPP lineups. And, and I'm hoping it's a hiccup because he's been playing relatively solid golf before that. Uh, so I, I'm still in on Xander. That's not going to drive me away. All right. A guy I like in the 9K range is John Rahm. The guy is just a bomber. A bomber. 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 Off the tee. Uh, I'm, I, I think Rahm has a, a great chance to do very well at this tournament. He ranks number two overall in the PGA in strokes games off the tee. He is going to be appealing to touts, and they're going to proclaim distance and accuracy 
and Rom has all those tools in order to succeed here at Beth Page Black. So I think Rom absolutely is in play. On my fantasy national model, he ranks 16th overall. He's third in ball striking, 10th off the tee, fourth in proximity from 175 to 200. Okay. In my private model, secret model, he ranks eighth overall. Okay. I think this is a great spot for Rom. I think it's a good spot, an opportunity that you could get him sub 15% ownership just because of the strength of the field. You have to pivot places. I think Rom could potentially be a pivot as we get closer to Wednesday, as people are going to be looking at these lower priced 9K guys like Fleetwood and Ricky Fowler. And when they're going to their lineup construction and they need that extra 100, 200 bucks, they're going to cut Rom, lower his ownership. What do you think about Johnny Rom? You call him a bomber, I'm going to call him a bummer this week. I think Rom's going to draw a pretty decent ownership this week after his ninth at the Masters and sixth at the Valspar. Here's my concern. His mental game, we've seen him completely explode when the game gets tough and he makes a couple poor shots. Augusta, yeah, he finished ninth, but as we've said, the rough can be quite forgiving because it's basically non-existent. You miss a couple of shots here due to the thick rough, you're going to get inside his head quick. And as soon as you get inside his head quick, you're going to see huge numbers come on a scorecard. Aren't yeah. we past that? With no, him? no, absolutely not. It was just at the, uh, when was it, the API or the players? The players, when he disagreed with his caddy when he was like, what was he, second or first? Uh, he, had, he had a disagreement with his caddy approaching one of the shots. He made it anyway. Uh, it was a terrible shot. And then from there, he unraveled and came in 12th. Uh, he had a shot to win it and made one bad shot. And the rest of the tournament, he just plugged, threw down the drain. So, it was at the play. Yeah, it was yeah, at the, play. the players. Can we call that? I mean, can we call that a learning experience? I mean, look, look at these finishes. But he's been doing it his whole career. Ninth, ninth at the ninth at the Masters, sixth at the Valspar, twelfth at the Players. The only time this year he didn't finish in the top twenty was at the WGC Mexico, where he finished forty fifth. In fact, he's only he's finished in every tournament but two since January in the top ten. Top ten, but he can't close on hard courses. I'm telling you, this is this is it. He, yes, he he can probably he can make the cut, sure, but he can't hold a lead when the pressure's on, and you get inside his head, which seems really easy to do, and depending on who he's paired with, it, it I don't like it. Ninety five hundred is too high for that much of a risk. I think you're just putting too much of emphasis on how hard this course is going to play. This is not a U.S. Open. It's in between. It's, I mean, you're not going to see the winner will be less than 10 under. He finished fourth at, at 2018 at last year's PGA Championship. That's I think he can thrive here. Different, different course, different, different times. I got two words for you, <laughs> Martin Pillar. Martin Pillar. I'm not going to throw the guarantee on Rom. You know what? No, I'm going to save it. Rom's not going to win, but hey, he'll make the cut. All right. My fade at the 9K range, and I don't think this is a surprise. I'm fading Molinari. It just doesn't fit him that well, of course. And his dominance comes when that putter is hot and that thing is cooled off. And, you know, this course helps. It helps to have a hot putter, but it's not like putting is very difficult here. Putting is probably the easiest thing to be successful at on this course, so I'm just going to look elsewhere. I'm fading Molinari in that 9K range. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I hear him being mentioned in a couple different things as being a pivot for some of the upper 9K guys, but I don't see it. He doesn't play well on the Poe courses. Sure, he's done well in majors the last year or so, but for me, his scrambling is really rough. His GIRs gained have been pretty bad. 
uh, over the last 24 on public courses. So, yeah, for me, no thanks. All right, we're going to move down to that 8K range. I'm going to start with my fade. I I just got to get this out of the way so we don't have to talk about him again. <laughs> Jordan Spieth, 8,600. You know, his game's coming around, quote-unquote, but it's not. He, he's struggling tee to green. He's struggling off the tee. He's struggling in approach. And it's the last five rounds. Finishing 29th at his home course. Uh, to me, that's kind of embarrassing. You play there all the time. You finished in 29th at a place that you play all the time. So I have no interest in riding that speed train. I was really interested earlier in the year when he was a lot, you know, a lot cheaper. I still think he's too much money being a major 8,600. If he were down to the 8K range, kind of like Phil is, I'd have a lot more interest in Jordan Speed. But at 8,600, no thank you. He's my fade. Who you fade in this range? I'm with you on Speed, though. I mean, I think I mentioned last week that I was on him only purely based on it being his home course. And the only reason he finished 29th is because he gained over six strokes putting. I mean, other than that, his game was abysmal. So, yeah, I'm off Speed, too. Uh, for me, uh, in the 8K range, I'm fading Bryson here, you know. No, you're wrong. No, you're so wrong. no way. You're and, and I'll wrong. tell you why. At 8,900, he's in, he's it's too high. Uh, I would expect him to be coming in in better form to be priced 8,900. He missed the cut at the RBC. He only got 29th at the Masters, 20th at the Players. The further you go back, the worse it gets until you get all the way back earlier in the year. So his form coming in here is just not what his price is. And Bryson, you know, the model backs up that he struggles on polo courses and putting. He struggles in scrambling. He struggles in approaches from 175. You know, it, it, to me, at 8,900, you can't struggle in the key stat categories that much. So I'm out on Bryson. You can't change my mind here, and I'll eat this one, but Bryson's not, not it for me. See, I like Bryson. This is the type of opportunity where you can get some leverage to the field. I'm not saying go overweight on Bryson by any means. That, that's not where I'm going here with DeChambeau. But he did miss the cut at the RBC Heritage. Boom, drop down that ownership, sub 10%. People are looking at the same thing that you're looking at. They're going, oh, Bryson DeChambeau can't do this on POA. Can't sucks on POA greens. Can't scramble. But this guy figures out his game. And it's this time of year, last year, where he started to really turn it on, if you remember. Yep. And I'm going to jump on board with Bryson this week. And he's never played at Beth Page Black. I, I know that. But he did finish at 33rd at Quail Howell in 2017, which I would use as like a comparative course in similarity. And it does show how DeChambeau can have success here. So if he does finish in 33rd year, yes, it's a waste of salary. He needs to be top 20. There's no arguing that. And he's not going to pop in any fantasy national model or split stats model. But overall, when you look at PJ stats, he has played well. He's 15th in uh, strokes gained tee to green. He's 11th in DK scoring. I think he's an incredible leverage play from the chalk, especially if you get him at sub 10%. Now, now I know stats aside, stats aside, do you think he can win the PJ Championship? No, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Another reason why is this course, I mean, he's a scientist. He likes to see his shots. He likes to calculate them out. He, know, he wants to see what he's going to hit. There's a lot of elevated greens. There's a lot of blind shots here. It, it's a, it just does not set up for how he plays. On, on this particular course, so stats aside, I think mentally he can't win this course. He's had five PGA Tour wins, okay? Sure. And, but and, he's never he's never had incredible success on any major tournament. I think his best finish in a major was 15th at the U.S. Open in 2016. But that that's not a top 10. And, and I think DraftKings players are going to see this, and they're going to fade, 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 fade. I wouldn't be surprised if Shambo 
comes in at 6%, 5%. Yeah, but you're, what... You, what you do don't you, want a piece of Deshambo at 5% in a GPP multi-mass entry. GPP at 5%. I don't. I don't. I think there's other players here that I'd much rather have than Bryson. I just don't think he fits this course. This is not the course where he's going to come out and win a major. Or even top five a major. Well, Einstein here is going to do quite well. <laughs> we'll see. We yeah. shall see. Another guy I like in this 8K range is Bubba Watson. Yeah. And he is also an intriguing play. In my custom stat model on Fantasy National, he ranks 25th overall. And then he is going to be low-owned. If you haven't noticed the pattern here, I'm loving all these low-ownership guys to gain leverage to the field. I'm not going to go crazy in my lineup builds and have everyone be sub-10%. That's not my goal. But if I need pivots, if I need to differentiate one way or another, I am going to look at these guys and these low-owned ownerships. Now, he's one of my favorite plays because he just dominates off the tee. Now, other aspects of his game, they, they, he kind of struggles with that, and I'm okay with that. But he can thrive here off the tee, and his two last appearances here at Bethpage yielded two top 20 finishes. Now, this course will gnash his teeth, but Bubba is going to be up for that challenge. I like Bubba Watson. What do you think? Yeah, I think we agree finally on something here. So I'm with you on Bubba. I mean, look at his PGA Championship history. Uh, it, it's going to drive people away. I mean, he's missed the last two cuts at the last two PGA Championships. And outside of a 60th and a 64th, the best he's ever done in, was in 2015 when he came in for a T21. Uh, so I think people are going to look at that, look at his history and say, no thanks. Uh, but on my model, he ranks out number one on POA. He's third in GIRs, first in driving distance, third in tee to green, second in scrambling, fifth in good drives, fifth in approach. I mean, that's every single stat that I weight highly coming in at no less than seventh overall. I mean, at 8K, uh, I mean, there's there's nothing he can do besides miss the cut that will, will really set you back. His recent form backs up all the stats as well, 12th at the Masters and a fourth at the Valspar. He's coming in in excellent form. Uh, I'm locking him in at 8K. I will be easily triple the field on Bubba, and I can't see any reason why I wouldn't be. Part of me also thinks he wants to win another major that's not the Masters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the closest he's come is second place at the PGA in 2010, and I think that was at Whistling Straits. But he he has that major pedigree, and that's something that we want from these players from this field. I don't know how much Bubba I will have. I'm a, I have a feeling I'm going to be overweight. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, who else you got in this 8K range? Uh, 100 more. I'm going with Adam Scott, another low 8K play. I'm trying to yeah, see a I way like I, can, I can build yeah. like a balanced lineup here. And he's no stranger to Beth Page. He finished fourth in 2016. He's coming off a couple of decent finishes in strong events with an 18th at the Masters and a 12th at the Players. Uh, he's grades out number three in my overall model, uh, mainly because he's first in GIRS gain, which is huge here. Uh, he's strong off the tee. He's 18th in driving distance and fifth in strokes gain tee to green. I mean, to me, I expect him, I expect him to be highly owned, uh, but I think pairing Scott and, and Bubba Watson together, I mean, that's a solid start, and it gives you a huge amount of salary to play with. And two guys that have the potential to win not only top five or top ten, but win this thing. Uh, so for me, Scott's going to be another huge uh, core piece in my lineup. The, the other nice thing about Scott is that on this course specifically, if the putter's not working, it's not going to hurt him that much. Yeah. Because, like I already mentioned, like – this isn't a hard putting course. It's, it's a hard approach course. It's a hard off the tee course. And Scott really fits those molds so well. You know, in my model from that par fours, 450 to 500, he ranks seventh overall. 
in my total rank he's 17th he 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 does struggle with proximity from 175 to 200 but i'm willing to overlook that but you know he's got he does well in greens regulation gains and in my private model as well he's looking pretty good so i like adam scott he's someone i'm gonna have to consider i wish he was scoring a little bit better but you don't need, you don't need to do that here so i mean you're not really putting yourself at a disadvantage you don't and, and results here are mixed you know 62nd at 2012 fourth in 2016 obviously some changes and alterations to the course weather whatever the case may be made sure. some differences in the game um, but at Quail Hollow, which I kind of already kind of used as a comparative course, he finished 61st. So, you know, take that as you wish, whether it be a grain of salt, whether it is, uh, oh, I need to fade him or I need to play him. Um, but this is a major, boys. Any play is going to be somewhat risky. So um, rounding out the 8K for me is um, Patrick Cantlay. And it's more of a gut call here, but... I honestly think he's just on one of those runs that was similar to Brooks and Fleetwood and Finau last year. His game's on point. He's coming towards the top of the leaderboard every weekend. And statistically speaking, he's 25th in tee to green, 19th in ball striking. I think overall he's way too cheap when you consider his scoring ability. He scores at a ridiculous rate to the field. Um, so it's something that he interests me. I don't know how much I'm going to have of Cantlay, but... You know, he, he is someone that I do want a piece of. He currently 384 per 18, which is pretty damn good when Justin Thomas, who's number one, is 382. So, yeah, yeah I see I see the appeal on Cantley. I don't have him as one of my plays this week, mainly because I have so much Scott and, and Watson, but and I waited that mainly because Cantley just hasn't played here before, and, and I give the, the advantage to guys that have at least seen the course a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, as a scorer, you can't really go wrong here with Cantley. Uh, I just wonder on a course that isn't apt to scoring how he's going to handle some of these approaches. Will he be able? Will he get too aggressive and then put himself with a bigger number? Uh, that's my only concern with him. Or I'll get so damn aggressive that yeah. he'll win the tournament. Yeah, it, it could go either way for sure. But for me, I, I just don't have any. Yeah. Who else you got in the AK range? Anybody? Uh, yeah, there's a couple other guys that I'm looking at. Finau, I think he's just going to be really chalky, uh, so I may change my stance on him a little bit. An 88 under, I, I might come off. Uh, the other guy I'm looking at is Hideki. He's been kind of cruising along lately. hasn't missed a cut since the Open back in July. Uh, his last three events haven't been that spectacular, but he's gaining strokes across the board except in putting, which I think you can minimize here with the smaller greens. His approach game, he ranks 10th, uh, and his length off the tee, he can easily, easily find himself uh, in places to score, opportunities gained. Uh, to me, he's an interesting option in the mid-8K range to play. I don't know how much I'll have of him right now. It's really, as we get closer to Wednesday, watching ownership. I think he's someone that I'll rotate through uh, a little little bit less than the field uh, and see what, what we can do. I don't know he has the opportunity to win this thing, but I think he has the ceiling of a top five. Uh, it's, it's Matsuyama. He's a great player. He's an elite player. I don't know if I can afford him. Yeah. That, that's my issue with him at 8,500. I got so many other players that I like. You know that are above him and below him that i just not gonna fall a lot on matsuyama the one thing i am also concerned about is just his recent form it, it, it's it's not like it's bad right but i still don't want to pay this price for matsuyama and have him finished 30th yeah first 32nd especially when you consider the upside the only way i'm really going to consider matsuyama is when that 
ownership projections really get dialed in and, and I'm gonna kind of look at where I can gain leverage I think that's the only really way I'm gonna jump on Matsuyama yeah initially I, I was gonna be at the field on him and as the more I dug into some of the lower 8k guys I think all of my Hideki ownership is gonna go back into Bubba at this point uh, but he is interesting and someone that other people might consider he is, you know, he is the image of consistency as well. He has not missed a cut since last July, right? Where, where he missed the cut at the Open Championship. So, um, you know, before that in 2017, he, he missed the players. So, the guy's a cut machine. If you need that guy that for a cash lineup, I could maybe suggest Matsuyama. Yeah. Um, maybe not the rattle go, but you know, he is cash viable as well. So, I think that'll round out the 8K range unless you got someone hiding in there that i don't know about no i you know i struggle with the ak's there wasn't like a handful of guys that i like so that's it for me all right what's going on in the 7k range and i know you're about to uh burst my bubble with someone in this range so why don't we just get it over with and tear the band-aid off go ahead let's do it all right sergio garcia 7900 is he sergio back into form is he is he back i don't know fourth at the wells fargo a couple weeks ago after an awful miscut at the masters uh, maybe the old Sergio shows up and wins this thing again. He's played extremely well on Poa courses, ranking out number eight for me this week. His approach game on Poa grades out third. He's eighth <laughs> in strokes gained tee to green. As long as he can avoid bunkers where he struggles, he easily pays off his salary. If the good if the good Sergio shows up, he came in third here in 2012, tenth in 2009. So he has the history of the course. He knows how to play it. It's just a matter of is he 2012, 2009 Sergio, or is he last two weeks ago last month's masters where it's just awful to watch yeah ever since i added him to my buster posey do not play <laughs> rule um i've been going back and forth i mean nothing is ever set in stone for dfs i might end up on sergio garcia this week uh, he does look great for this course and you know i'll put my rule aside if i know it's going to win me money so Sergio, yeah, I agree with you. He is in play. I do consider, you know, what form he is, what what Sergio Garcia is going to show up. This major drought though is concerning. Yeah, no, I agree, and and I think you got to look at, at ownership too. I mean, he was only two point six percent owned in DraftKings GPPs when he came in fourth at the Wells Fargo, but everybody and his mother was on him. He was twenty percent owned at the Masters, twenty three percent at the Valspar. 18% of the players, I mean, people flock to Sergio. So, you know, if he's going to be 20%, I, I probably won't have any of him. Uh, but especially coming off the fourth, I think he sets up well for the course, but he can easily let you down, especially at the majors. Yeah, I mean, this 7K range is loaded. So, I mean, let's keep rolling. you got Webb Simpson, Joel Dahman, Benyon. A lot of these players are just going to garner a ton of attention. But my biggest issue with this range is figuring out if a player can win or if that player can even get a top five. So kind of looking at this range, I, I, I thought about some players, and one player that I'm focusing on is Gary Woodland at 7,700. I think he's a little too cheap, and he's really not going to fo- like pop on any mixed condition models on Fantasy National, but overall, he, you know, he's a scorer. He fits that Bombers profile, and Woodland, uh, you know, Woodland on my private model ranks out as 16th overall. You know, he finished fourth here in 2016 in that comparative course, 22nd at Quail Hollow. I think Woodland's in play. I think you're going to get him at sub-10% ownership, potentially. 
You know, we got to listen to these other touts, but he's a scorer at 385 per 16. I like Gary Woodland. Yeah, I think Woodland's a fine play, especially at this price. I mean, he's only 7,700. He performs well on polo courses. I mean, he's sixth in driving distance. Pretty solid. His ball striking's been great. Uh, you got to worry about his putting a little bit. I mean, the guy bleeds strokes all over the course. Um, so as long as he can get it close on the smaller greens, then yeah, of course, he's got a shot at, at turning in a good finish here. Yeah. Who else you like in this range? Uh, 7K range for me, I think, is another guy that, that might come in highly owned. Is Ryan Moore at 7,400. Uh, he's no stranger to this course at all, and he's put in some pretty stellar finishes. He had a 7th in 2016, a 24th in 2012, and a 10th in 2009. So he's got the ability to play this course and play it well. Uh, the issue is he's coming in in shaky form, which could be a good thing ownership-wise. He got a 69th last week at the Byron Nelson, 41st at the RBC, and then he had a third, of course, at the Valero a couple, a couple weeks ago. So he's really trending in the wrong direction. And a lot of that trouble is coming from around the green shots, which is problematic. Uh, he's not long off the tee, which is another issue, especially on these soft courses right now. On these kind of courses, he's coming in 127th, which is not good. Uh, but he is accurate, which could help offset that, especially if the ball's stopping shorter. He can take some aggressive shots where he knows the ball's going to stop where he wants it to. And his approach game's on point two as well. It's grading out eighth overall. So I think, you know, if he gets himself in position to hit some good shots and his, his iron game's working like it has been, I'll take a couple shots on Ryan Moore this week, knowing he knows the course and knows where to put his shots accurately to set him up to score or at least make par. And I think a, a, a lot of his past performances will be put to bed here and he'll help pull himself out of this downward trend. Yeah, I, I really do like that Ryan Moore call, call. You know, similarly, in terms of someone who's struggling, it was Mark Leishman. Yeah in that 7k range i mean he's he's not been playing great golf 58 at the rbc 49th at the masters missed the cut at the players 23rd at the api 62nd the wgc mexico you know he just doesn't look right one thing i do know about leishman though is he plays well in difficult conditions and this course is going to be difficult so i do like leishman for that in that regard another thing that i like about him the fact that overall He's 16th in uh, greens and regulation, 11th in strokes game, T to green, and 16th overall in my private model. So if you think Leishman can turn things around, he is going to be super low owned in my opinion, and the guy can score. One thing I do want to point out, though, there's a lot of risk here. The two times he's played here, he's missed the cut. So that is something that I would normally be concerned about, but how often do we see players missing two cuts in a tournament that has a long history and then making three in a row, four in a row? So it's not something I'm going to weight too heavily. Leishman's an elite player. He's 7,800 here. Do you like Mark Leishman? Uh, I, I agree with everything you said, but the issue that I have with him, as you mentioned, is I, I can't do it with his two missed cuts here. I think there's other players uh, that I'm more interested in, uh, but for me, I, I, can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And, then, well, and, then, and then you also, I mean, you got how serious was his back injury last week? I mean, that's I mean, true. I didn't I, even consider that. I, I, mean, I do have to revisit that. You're looking at a cold, wet course, which is, you know, someone with an, an iffy back, myself, I know that, you know, it's cold, it's nasty. How, how well is it going to last? I mean, he's not, no way he does four rounds out there. I mean, if it's something that he withdrew, claimed his back hurt just to get practice this week, sure, but I don't know. I don't know how about it. I haven't seen any update. Yeah, we're going to have to pay close attention to that. That's a very good point. I didn't even think about Leishman with the back injury. But more than likely, 
it was like, well, I don't want to be here. Right. Exactly. Let's go prepare for the big dog. So uh, that's a very valid point. Who else in the 7K range do you like? You know, you look at the 7K range and everything I look at on my model, it's like there's like four or five different stats that pop. And then there's one that's like bright red is in the hundredth category. So it's really kind of narrowing down who I think has the ability to, to outperform their struggling area. And to me, I think Keegan Bradley at 7,200 is a guy who can do that. You know, he's burned me in the past quite a few times, but he grades out so well on this po- a POA course that's like this. He ranks ninth overall for me this week for a 7,200 guy, which is mainly weighted due to his sixth in GIRS gain, sixth in good drive, first in approach, and 14th in his strokes gain two to green. So the awful category for me that he falls into is scrambling, where he's 122nd. So, I mean, he's really got to avoid those areas around the course, um, which he does have some history of. He got a 53rd here in 2016, so not great, but enough where he may have some knowledge of you know where to play some of these hard shots. Uh, his, his issue has always been the putter, where he bleeds away pretty much any positive uh, rounds he can gain. Over his last five events, he's losing almost two strokes per round. So hopefully... Since this is just a course where you need to get it on the green and get par, he can show up and not have to try to compete with guys who are getting birdies and eagles and taking aggressive putt lines. So I think it's a possibility here Keegan can actually pull off a decent finish. I don't think he has a chance to win this thing by any means, uh, but he definitely has top 20, top 10 upside if he puts everything together and putts at least decently in two of the four rounds. So at 7,200 in the 7K range, I think this is a lot of where GPPs are going to be won or lost, and I think Bradley's one who will probably come in with a little bit lower ownership than most, and is a decent pivot for some larger GPP lineups. My issue with Keegan Bradley is that on Saturday and Sunday, he just fades away. Yeah, and that's why I think he can't win, but I mean, what does he have to do to really keep you in competition? It's not going to be a score fest, so as long as he's making par. Yeah, but you would want a birdie here, or, you know you don't want him to be plus at the end of the day at the end of 18 on saturday or sunday you want him to be minus one minus two minus three in the top 20 top 30 those six to six lineups are going to have guys that are top 10 20s they're not going to be holding keegan bradley at 50th place or 40th place at least the ones that are cashing big no but i mean if he puts together those rounds i mean he can do it He's done it in the past. He's such a cock tease. He is. I mean, he got 16th of the players, and he still lost a stroke and a half putting. Yeah. A 10th of the WCG New Mexico and still lost a stroke and a half. I mean, even even when he's coming in these top 15, top 10 finishes, he's still losing strokes putting. So if he can even just break even, I mean, he's, he's set up well. His approach game has been dialed in. I mean, that's what you really need in this, in this course. So he gets close. He gets par. You know, sets you up for something. Well, I mean, the 7K range is just loaded with players that we've loved at different times from from Poulter to Sneds to Cam Smith, Sun J.M., nice MDF last weekend for him, <laughs> Ryan Moore, Lucas Glover, you know, RBC, RCB, sorry, Zach Johnson. Like, the 7K range is loaded, and to decipher this whole thing would be a mess. I mean, even Johnny Vegas or Matt Fitzpatrick and Peters, like, it's insane how deep the 7K range is to where, you know, one could argue that you may even want to build a 7K lineup. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, to round it out for me, I was looking at Ryan Palmer at 7,200. He ranks ninth in tee to green in my mixed condition model, 15th in ball striking, 5th off the tee, and 14th in proximity from 175 to 200. He's another one of those players, though, that struggles in 
the par threes, the long par threes, and it could just sink his day and sink the weekend. So I'm really, really hoping that that doesn't happen if I do decide to roster him on Wednesday. But, you know, we'll kind of see. The one promising aspect of Ryan Palmer's game is that the two times he's played here, 13th place finish in 2016 and a 24th finish in 2012. So Ryan Palmer, I do think he's in play. I think we... I do think he's sub 10% ownership, probably sub 5% ownership, and he's a guy who can easily finish in the top 20. So, Palmer, interest, thoughts? Yeah, I like Palmer. He, he grades out well for me. Price is right. Course history is right. Stats are right. Yeah, I'll take some shots on Palmer, too. Mm-hmm. All right, anyone else in the 7K range that you have interest in? No, you mentioned him. I think Johnny Vegas was another one for me, but, I mean, there's just a ton of guys here that you can rotate through your lineups for GPPs, and I think you don't really even need to go this low unless you're really trying to cram in some of the, the top four, where if you, I think if you cram in DJ and Rory, you're left with 7K on average. So I don't see you really needing to dip down this low much at all unless you're trying to make some widely contrarian lineups. Yeah. Well, my fade in this range is going to be Cokes. Yeah, um, yep, I'm with you. I think he's just lost his mojo lately, and, and he's just a solid fade for me. Last week he finished in 65th. He, he did make the cut, but it's not the same coke rack that we saw dominating at the beginning of the year. I, I'm, I'm going to fade him, and I think he's going to be highly owned too. I think in this range he'll be second to Sergio Garcia in terms of ownership. So I think it's a good solid fade, and it's not like it's going to cost you going somewhere else. I don't think coke rack can win this tournament. Nope, he's my fade too at, at that price, and I think he's trending downward, and I think his ownership is going to be high, like you said. He had the seventh year loss in 2016, which I think is going to spike his ownership even more. I have none of him this week as well. I'm, I'm off of him. And don't forget that 33rd in 2017 at Quail Hollow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he he's had success in the PGA Championship. I just, you know, I think we both agree the game's not there right now. Yep. Um, the numbers say that he is, but places don't. All right, so we're going to move down to that 6K range. And... I do not like this range at all. I mean, these are guys that I just never have any desire to roster. Daniel Berger is a thorn in my side. And, of course, you got Max Homa down here who just came off the win. Yep. Um, you know, Sam Burns, a lot of names down here that are very popular. Russell Knox, who I actually like Russell Knox. I love rostering, especially when the putter gets hot. But it doesn't really come into play here because it's not hard to putt at Bethpage Black. So Russell Knox is, is, is kind of a fade for me when I when I usually love playing him. So, But one guy I do like is Corey Connors at 6,800. He ranks 26 on my private model. And, you know, any guy you roster in this 6K range is high risk. But Corey Connors, you know, in his last 50 rounds, he, he ranks 18th in proximity from 175 to 200. I like seeing that proximity stat pop. The one thing I'm concerned about, though, is that he's struggling in those long par fours from 450 to 500, also struggling in those par threes. He's an absolute punt. Don't get me wrong, Corey Connors is here, but I could see him having success. Who else in the 6K range do you got? Do you like? I'll give you my Martin Pillar of the Week, and it's going to be Euroman Ross Fisher at 6,500. Now, he doesn't play a lot, much at all, really. I mean... His last recorded finish was here as at the PGA Championship last year where he finished 65th. He's fared pretty well in the majors he does play, given his low price of 6500 
and of the last 10 measured rounds on POA courses, he ranks 10th in GIR's gain, 14th in good drives, 9th in strokes gain approach. He also, if you go way back to 2009, he finished 5th here. So he does know the course, granted it's dated. Uh, he does struggle putting, uh, which I don't think is a huge issue this week. Where he does gain strokes is off the tee and approach, which I think are the two key categories that you need to be solid in this week. 6,500, just has to make the cut. A guy who has history on the course and has finished well, doesn't play much, so he should come in rested, is a guy who plays Euro courses, so he knows how to play in the cold and the wet and the rain and all other junk. Uh, for 6,500, he is my Martin Pillar pick of the week, Ross Fisher. Uh, are we going to start this this segment now, the Martin Pillar pick? <laughs> if I can guarantee someone makes a cut at sub-7K, it's, Martin, it's uh, Ross Fisher. I mean... The guy hasn't even played on tour yet this year. Yeah, that's okay. The last time he, the first time he played on tour in 2018, he came in 46. So why can't he come in 46 this this time? Which at 6,500, that's it. That's all you need. Why can't he do it? Why not? In the last the last five six PGA events he's played, he's made the cut. Yeah, that's great. In August of last year. That's okay. They're all majors. PGA, WCG Bridgestone, the Open, US Open, players. Major, 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 WCC, the players. I mean, those are all hard fields. Look, I, I would be more concerned about him on the Euro Tour right now. So, you know, at the at the British Masters, he tied for 15th. At the China Open, tied for 69th. At the Maybank Championship, tied for 13th. Yeah. Um, so why, so, I why mean, not? He's looking solid. I guess, I guess you got some validity in, in your argument here. Um, a little bit different courses, a little bit game style that he's playing over there. Um, ranks 84th on the Euro Tour. He's played eight events so far this year. Has 248. Uh, what is the Euro FedEx Cup? What is that? The Rolex Cup? Whatever they use over there. Yeah, he's crushing. He's crushing it. So why can't he so, come over to the PGA on on this on this tour and? At least make the cut. At sixty five hundred, he's egregiously underpriced. Egregiously underpriced. Yes, that's Dude. correct. Sixty. Okay. You're going to tell me a guy who plays well in the Euro Tour, but comes over here and has and has made cuts in the major and majors on U.S. soil should be sixty five hundred. Why you're, do you want him just make the cut? He can do better than that. I'm just if saying. You I, get I, Ross, I get, if you get Ross Fisher just making the cut, you're not winning big money. You need him to finish in the top ten. I'm just saying, I guarantee he makes the cut. He can do much better. You gotta stop using that word. Never. I mean, who, he's <laughs> he's he's in the same price range as Jimmy Walker, Ryan Fox, who's also interesting, and then a bunch of other guys that just like, have no history of doing well. He's under he's underpriced. He should be at least seven k. The guy hasn't won even on the European tour since 2014. It Why matter. would he be seven k? Okay, I mean, look who is 7K. I mean, Byung-Hun An, everyone's favorite golfer. He's 7,100. What does he, he I mean, he's not winning anything. What makes him so much better? Well, but by your argument, why don't then I just go down to Dylan Fratelli? I mean, Fratelli at least has played on the PGA this year, and he's only missed two cuts, three cuts. But, okay, what, what does he grade out here? Does he grade out well on these types of courses? I don't, I don't think so. He didn't for me. Fratelli grades out 93rd. 19th, 
He ranks out. Like, I mean, he doesn't have enough sample size. He only has four rounds, but I have him at pretty. I'm at 12 yeah. rounds, and he ranks out 93rd. Whereas Fisher, granted, I only have him at 11 rounds, and it's 17th. So they're similar, but the difference is ridiculous. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the 6K range. But... I'm I'm not either, but I'm just saying if you're going into 6Ks, my my one of my favorite plays, and it's still a risky play, is Ross Fisher. I mean, anyone you draft in this range, it's not a leverage play. You're They're all open. It's that, all Euro guys. I mean, all so, the good guys here are Euro guys. But wouldn't you rather just go with someone like CT Pan or, 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 you know, Chesy? I would rather. Someone if I'm going to go. What about Lee Westwood? Sure. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with him too. He's played here twice. Fifth in 2012. Twenty third in 2009. I mean, JB Holmes finished 19th here in 2012. Sure, but JB Holmes is. JB Holmes. That's true. He is just JB Holmes. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I mean, I I don't recommend going this low, but if you're going to talk about differentiating lineups and being able to cram two or three guys from 11k down to the upper nines, you're going to need one or two mid 6k, upper 6k guys, and those are the only guys I'm comfortable with at this point. But the 7k and above is so loaded. Yeah, but the ownerships on the 6K guys are going to be like 1%, maybe. I think I think you're like a blind man playing darts in this 6K range. So. Oh, there's no darts. It's Ross Fisher, Lee Westwood, and if you want to get real crazy, Danny Willett. Danny Willett. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? It's really, for me, Willett is just a stats-only on POA play. I mean, he his form is awful. He's missing five of his last six cuts, sure. But when you just look at 24 rounds, POA only, it says Willa is going to break out of the slump this week. I mean, he, I would take a few shots in lo- huge millimaker type GPPs, like one or two lineups out of your max lineups with Danny Willa in the event that he, this is the week he turns it around because he, he, can, he grades out well in these type of courses. That's a do- purely stat. He is not in good form, huge risk, but I would throw him in one or two lineups. I think he's just too risky. Yes, but you have. I mean, the guy who wins the Millie Maker this week is going to have a, a. The guy who wins the Millie Maker this week is not going to have Danny Willett. I, I didn't. Guarantee yeah, you that. I didn't say Danny Willett. I said he will be a sub like two percent guy, and there's a couple of those guys, and Danny Willett's one of them. That'll be extremely low owned, for good reason. Well, I mean, you're talking to the guy who's going to win the Millie Maker this week. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I haven't even told you who I'm rostering yet. So. Are you going to roster Scott Piercy? Because he's going to be way too highly on. I don't know who I'm going to roster yet in the Millie. Relax. Relax there, Chief. You and your big guarantees. Only one. Fisher makes it up. I mean, there are so many people in this 6K range that I just do not want to play. And I don't know why I want to go down to this range. Because even getting leverage down here, what, what, what am I really gaining? I don't think Cam Champ can finish top 10. I don't think Cam Champ can finish top 20 down here. Um, Martin Kamer, Kamer. I, I don't. I, maybe a top twenty-five. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I, it's just Sam Burns. All these guys. How much do I want to risk down here when I know what I'm getting above them? That's my concern. You're right. And and I'm not saying that I won't take a shot at some of these guys, but you know, I'd rather take someone like CT Pond, even though they're going to be more more 
interested in like uh, to the casual player because they know his name but the guy at least is strong off the tee you know and he's good on those long four fours and the long irons and and i, I could see him doing well here so yeah no, I'd, I agree. I'd, I'd rather go with a name down here than anything else so yeah you bring you bring up a couple good points and i agree with you the 6k range is just not somewhere anyone wants to be but sometimes you find yourself in places you don't want to be well, the pricing's soft. You don't. It's too you soft. Not, you may not have to come down here at all. But it'll, so. the leverage, if you want leverage, here it is. Staring you in the face. No mm. one's going to be on them. Nobody. Well, this, this is the PGA Championship for you. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. So that'll wrap up the cut line in our analysis of the PGA Championship. Remember that lineups lock way, way, way early in the morning at 6.45 Eastern Standard Time. And make sure you check us out next week as we break down the Fort Worth Invitational. I want to thank Zach for contributing to another excellent edition of the cut line. I'm glad I could carry you this week again. Um, you can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I'm Mike Cavalunas, and you can find me at Lunas on Twitter. And you can also find the cut line at TCutline. Again, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National. PGA Championship is right around the corner. I'm excited. It's never too early to start building your lineups. Start doing that right after you listen to this pod. Get those birdies, eagles, albatrosses, aces. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get some winners. Go and get them.